Welcome to the teaching ministry of Paseo del Rey Church of Chula Vista, California. We invite you to open up your Bibles as we join Pastor Derek Olson for today's message. Your face is glowing. Maybe someone said that to Moses when he got down from Mount Sinai. If you don't know the story, there's an Old Testament leader of God's people named Moses who went up on Mount Sinai to speak with the Lord and for the Lord to give him his laws. And when Moses came back down the hill, his face was aglow from having been in the presence of God. And so maybe someone said to him, your face is glowing. But that's a phrase that could come up a lot of other times in a lot of other ways. I could hear that almost every night while my wife falls asleep next to me. She could say, your face is glowing. And it wouldn't be because I just spent time with God. You know where I'm going with this? It's because I'm sitting there in the dark of our bedroom with my iPad and my face is glowing. And I like to check baseball scores and read blogs and check Twitter before I fall asleep. And so your face is glowing for a whole different reason. And I don't know if, um, you know, what God did to Moses making his face glow from being in God's presence. I don't know if God would choose to do that miraculous revealing now or not. But I want to ask myself this morning, and I want you to ask yourselves this morning, do we, are we more likely to have a glowing face from our screens, or, are we, or would we have a glowing face from spending time frequently with our great God? Uh, we are in a series called Crazy Busy. We're doing a teaching series for a few weeks called Crazy Busy, and the reason we're doing that is because we're asking God to help us navigate this world that we live in, the culture we swim in, so to speak, is crazy busy. And so it's part of our existence. And so we're asking God, how can we navigate life and this world and this culture in a way that still honors you, Jesus, and, and respects other people? How can we, um, how can we do that? And, and certainly this morning, we're going to have to take a look at the way that technology and our constant internet connectedness plays into this crazy busyness? How is our crazy busyness affected by technology, the internet, TV, all of our devices? We're going to have to take a look at that. So here, here's what I want to say um, before we start. I always feel this way about teaching, but truly um, to be up here speaking and teaching God's word to you is always a humbling privilege. I mean that sincerely. I come from a place when I teach that I am hope, I, I prayerfully am hopefully being changed by God's word myself in the weeks leading up here as he changes me and as I learn from the scriptures that we're going to talk about this morning, he is changing me and so hopefully I am coming from a place where I am learning when I pass it along to you and more so than ever when we talk about technology and whether it may or may not interfere with our relationship with God, I should be sitting out with you just so you know. Um, This is teaching myself as much as encouraging you to consider Uh, the importance of this topic. So let's start with an inventory. I need you to participate. Let's get involved. I want raises of hands. I want show of hands, okay? We're going to do an inventory of what's around us. Raise your hand if you have a TV in your house. Raise your hand if you have multiple TVs in your house, okay? What about cable TV, okay? How many of you own a DVD or a Blu-ray player? Yep, look around how frequent and how common this stuff is. How many of you own at least one video game system in your home? Okay, how many of you have wireless internet at home? Wireless internet at your work or school? Okay, 
Um, how many of you in the, uh, either maintain a blog now or have blogged in the past? Not as common, but okay. Look, how many of you have a Facebook account, a Twitter account, an Instagram account, a Pinterest account? I could, I could keep going. I don't even know. I could, I could have you tell me, okay? Um, how many of you uh, have a Bluetooth headset to talk wirelessly on your cell phone? Maybe I should have started with, do you have a cell phone? How many of you have a smartphone where you do more than just talk? Yes. Um, what about, how many of you have a Bluetooth connected car so you can talk while you drive? Yes. Uh, how many of you use text messaging to communicate? How many of you have an email account? How many of you have multiple email accounts? Look at all the hands. Do you see the connectedness? Do you see how many screens we're talking about here? How many of you have a tablet? Okay. And uh, the latest ones, well, one of the latest ones, it seems to me, although I'm probably behind already, is the techie internet-connected watches. How many have one of those? Not as many. (laughs) Our staff person who also works here and works at Apple, he has an Apple watch. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so there's a lot of screens around us, aren't there? We're connected all the time, aren't we? Or we have potential to be? So it's obvious by um, asking those questions and getting you to think about that, the potential for our faces to glow because of our devices is constant and all around us. And it's not just for some of us. It's, this co- topic is for all of us. Okay, here's some more questions. And this time, I'm going to let you off the hook. These next series of questions is no show of hands because I'm going to ask some questions that I don't think you're going to want to answer. Okay? But... No show of hands, but consider these. I think these are important to think about. And I'm not even going to, I'm not passing judgment. I'm going to let you do that, okay? Uh, do you sleep with your smartphone on? And specifically with on and within arm's reach, like maybe under your pillow or on your nightstand. Think about that. Evaluate these. See what's true of you. Would, uh, if you're talking with friends and you get into a disagreement about something and you need to know the answer, would you survive if you couldn't? Google it. Would that be okay? You know, there was a time when we didn't always get the answers to solve every argument we were having, right? Do you frequently find yourself mindlessly passing time by staring at your phone, even when there might be better, more productive things to do? Do you find yourself viewing and answering texts, tweets, emails at all hours of the day and night, even when it means interrupting other things that you're doing? I do. Um, Do you find yourself talking with, texting, tweeting, or emailing people more often than you are talking to people in person? I do, sometimes at least. Do you text, email, tweet, or surf the internet while you are driving? I have. If you're honest, you have too. Some of you have. Or other things that should require our focused attention and concentration, but we are moving our thumbs. Um, What about this one? When uh, When you eat a meal, when you set the table, is it part, is your smartphone part of your place setting? Knife, fork, plate, napkin, phone next to you during your meals. Um, Do you eat most of your meals while in front of the television or in front of the computer? Or do you spend most of your evening with a glowing face from one screen or another? 
Do you find yourself mindlessly checking your phone many times a day, strike that, many times an hour, even though you know there is likely nothing new or important to see? Um, do you feel reluctant to be without your phone? When I, when I drive in here to the parking lot to come to my office, get out of my truck, and walk up to my office, if I get to my office and I realize I don't have my phone, I run back to the truck. Are we reluctant to be without our phone even for a short time? If there was a power outage at your house, would that be a catastrophic event? Or would you know what to do with yourselves? Um, has a significant person in your life, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, mom, has someone ever banned you from your smart- smartphone? When you go through life, um, going through the experiences of life, interacting with people, are you thinking in Facebook statuses? This is what I'm going to, this is how I'm going to phrase this when I post this. Or your thoughts are confined to 140 characters because you want to tweet it in a few minutes. There are some questions for us to consider. So now that I feel really terrible about myself, Let me say this. I want to make sure we start from this. I am not saying that all technology is bad. Don't hear that. I am not saying that the internet is completely evil and has no redeeming qualities. Um, I am not saying that there is no good use for any of our devices. Don't hear that this morning. I just went to the hospital the other day and shared a Bible verse with someone from my phone, from my Bible on my phone. My notes for this message, I am reading from an iPad. Pastor Jin was just up here. He just told you we would like you to be on something called Paseo Online. We would like you to use the internet. Many of you, when I ask you to open your Bibles in a couple of minutes, will pull up your Bible on a device. So um, there is absolutely good uses for our devices, for having glowing faces. Um, Devices can be helpful. The internet, the apps on our phone have many, many helpful, useful, productive qualities that can help us in our human life and that can even... Um, enable our uh, relationship with God. We use them to connect with one another. We use them to connect with God. And so um, where we're starting from here is not that we need to get rid of technology, not that the internet is, is evil by any stretch. Of course, what we're talking about this morning is that in our crazy busy lives, do we need to at least talk some, do we at least need to evaluate this morning the place, the role that technology has on our, in our lives and are we willing to embrace the, or in, interact with the question this morning of, does my interaction with the devices, my glowing face, my in, constant internet connectedness, does this or does it not have an impact on my life with God? Positive, negative. We want to we consider that this morning. And, and I also just want to say uh, lots of credit this morning to at symbol Rev Kev DeYoung. That's the Twitter handle for an author pastor named Kevin DeYoung who wrote this book, Crazy Busy. This is one of the books that we have utilized to adapt our series, and in particular, the topic this morning. Um, I leaned heavily on his great chapter on this topic, so credit to him for sure. So you ready? Ready to go? Ready to engage in this topic a little bit? This is for all of us. Um, Here's where I want to start. I want to start with not taking an extreme stance. Some of you may already have taken an extreme stance in your mind. Let's not start there. Let's start with what the Bible says, what theology says. 
what our study of God would tell us about this topic. Instead of being on this extreme of technology and the internet is evil and worth nothing, let's not be there. Instead of being on the other extreme would be, I've so embraced technology and the internet that it has become a God, an idol in my life, and it's an obstacle to relationships, including that with God. Those would be extremes. Let's not start there. Here's a couple of things I want us to think about. Our great God is a creator, a creative creator. Our great God created all that we see. The majesty is amazing. The creativity of which he has done with the, with the, with the natural world and animals. And then, of course, humans, creating humans. Our great God is a creator God, a creative creator who has created creative creators. Are you with me? Our creative creator, God, has created creative creators, and we creative creators create creative creations. (laughs) They give us extra points in seminary for that kind of ridiculousness. I didn't know. Just kidding. Uh, Our creative God creates us and and, and has, has given us the ability to create creative things including our technology and the, and, the, and the content of the internet. And so certainly, because of that creativity, we don't just dismiss technology. We don't just throw our devices out the window. We know that because God is at work through us in these creations, that these devices can be helpful, useful, productive, etc. And they can be used for human good and to the glory of God. And so we don't just dismiss them. Here's another thing to consider. Our great God became flesh. Our great God did not stay apart on high, but our great God sent his son, Jesus. Jesus, God himself, took on flesh, a word we could say incarnation. God became man. Jesus came to live and dwell among us. And so if God does that, then I think we need to see that there is value in physically being present with physical people. Okay? So there's another thing that the Bible can shape this topic for us. We don't swing to either extreme. And a couple of other things, as, as we are creations of God Im, uh, bearing his image, we need to find our identity in Jesus, not in our online persona. Our identity, our value is not found in how we appear online. Our identity, our value is not found in what people say about us on Twitter, on Facebook. Our identity is in Christ. And also, we need to be aware, because we study our Bibles and follow God, we need to be aware of the realities of sin. And when, when the realities of sin and rebelling against God are combined with technology, yes, we ought to be cautious about the potential to, um, to encounter temptations and obsessions at the, at the, because of these um, devices and tools. So, are we, are, we, are we starting from a place where this is a topic for all of us, Hopefully. Regardless of age, whether you're young, old, whether you're male, female, whether you're still watching movies on VHS, or whether you're already periscoping, and if you don't know what periscoping is, you don't really want to, okay? No matter where we are in this, this is a topic for all of us. I think that God has something to teach us. And so instead of taking an extreme stance and dismissing all of technology, we're not going to do that, but we also don't want it to become an idol. So here's where, I'm, here's where we're going to go, is uh, really with Kevin DeYoung's help, I want to suggest three areas of possible danger, three potential threats that our glowing faces pose to our lives. If we are, because of our devices, our glowing faces, because of our devices and our constant internet connectedness, I'm going to suggest, I'm going to give you three areas of potential danger, of potential threat 
to our, our lives and our crazy busyness. So here we go. First, there is absolutely potential when our faces are glowing all the time for unhealthy addiction. And as soon as I use the word addiction, a bunch of you don't want that word to be related to your use of technology, but deep down, I think most of you know it's darn well possible if you're not already addicted. Have I been addicted? I'm sure I have. I hope I'm a little less now because this is a topic I've had to engage with and ask God to help me with. There is absolutely a potential for unhealthy addiction. I don't think I need to spend a ton of time convincing you of this because if you think just a couple minutes back to those questions I ask you of where's your phone when you go to bed, where's your phone when you wake up, where's your phone when you're driving, Do you, does it interrupt your day, does it interrupt being present with people? When you had to answer those questions in your mind, you probably came face to face with the potential for addiction, right? If we're honest. And the thing is, is that we might claim that we can unplug. We might say, oh yeah, I could. I'm good. I can do without my phone. I can do without my iPad, whatever it is. I don't need the internet. But when we really we try to unplug, how does it really go? How long does it last? How long before we're looking for more? How long before we think we're missing out on something? How long before we need to be online? I think that if we're honest, many of us are addicted, obsessed, overwhelmed by the need to be online, to be on our devices, to be connected to other people at all times. And God's word says in 2 Peter 2.19, this is on the screens, that whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. Whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. So is my face glowing at night because I am enslaved to electronic screens? Or is my face glowing because I've spent time with God? That's the first danger is addiction. The second danger is a word called, an old word called acedia. This is, uh, the author uses this word, but luckily he explains it because I have no idea what acedia is. He says the second danger is acedia. This is an old word which roughly means the same as sloth or laziness or listlessness. And yet, it really adds a dimension. The word acedia kind of also brings about a connotation of indifference, that there's a, there's a not caring, a sort of a spiritual forgetfulness even, that's, that's caused by our uh, glowing faces and our, our time online. And uh, I don't like to do this usually, just to read you something. Um, but if you'll forgive me, I want to just read one brief paragraph to you directly from the author, because I think it's a good explanation of Acedia. For too many of us, this says, the hustle and bustle of electronic activity is a sad expression of a deeper acedia. Listen to this. We feel busy, but not with a hobby or recreation or play. We are busy with busyness. Rather than figure out what to do with our spare minutes and hours, we are content to swim in the shallows and pass our time with passing time. How many of us growing too accustomed to the sedia of our age feel this strange mix of busyness and lifelessness? We're always engaged with our thumbs, but rarely engaged with our thoughts. We keep downloading information, but we rarely get down to the depths of our hearts. That's a sedia. Purposelessness. Purposelessness described or disguised, I'm sorry, as constant commotion. We're busy with nothing. There's a danger for unhealthy addiction. There's a danger of acedia. Is my face glowing because of purposelessness and being content to, to 
stay in the shallows? Or might I... My, might my face be aglow from time with God himself? Okay, so before I get to the third area, there's addiction, there's acedia. Before we explain the third area, let's look into God's word together. Grab your Bible, if you would. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. If you want to use the Bible, it's under the seat there. You can turn to page 355. 1 Kings, back in the Old Testament, toward the beginning of your book, the beginning of your Bible, one of the earlier books of the Bible there. 1 Kings chapter 19. If you are using the Bible near you, it's page 355. And as you turn there, let me just set the stage here. Um, In the previous chapter, in chapter 18, we find Elijah, an Old Testament prophet of God. And in chapter 18, Elijah has just defeated these false prophets in glorious fashion. These these hundreds of false prophets were saying how powerful their God was, and they were going to show that God's power and their gods did jack squat nothing. And then, and then Elijah came on and wanted to display the power of the one true God, and God came and revealed himself in spectacular fashion, sending fire to eat the sacrifice. And that's the story we find in chapter 18. And so now as we pick up the story in chapter 19, the prophet Elijah is on the run from King Ahab and Jezebel, who are evil and want to kill uh, God's people. So we pick up the story now, 1 Kings 19. I'm going to start reading at verse 8. Chapter 19, verse 8, page 355. So Elijah got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Oreb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. So see, in in the previous chapter, when Elijah defeated these other prophets, that was on a place called Mount Carmel. And at Mount Carmel, it was all about God's revealing himself in spectacular fashion through fire. And now here in chapter 19, there's these opportunities, or it seems that God is revealing himself in spectacular fashion, wind and earthquake and fire. And before we read the next couple of verses, I want us to just think about this because I think that's how I wish God would speak to me, is in spectacular, loud fashion. Or maybe more than that, the question I should ask you is, is that how God would have to speak to you in order for you to hear him? Would God have to speak in spectacularly loud fashion in order for us to hear him. And I say that because our device-heavy, internet-saturated world makes us crazy busy, doesn't it? And the constant bombardment of information and hundreds of relationships available to me online are overwhelming. And this is creating a loud, crazy busyness in our faces, isn't it? 
And so we may hope that God would get our attention in spectacular fashion. But what if he doesn't? Hundreds of virtual relationships, blasts of information and constant opinions and distraction are what hit us from our devices and from being on, online. And, and we're going to see, you know, how God may or may not speak. Um, since this is a technology sermon, I'm going to press pause on the sermon. <laughs> I'm hilarious. And now I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. I got a little something else for you before we press play on the message again. Okay, ready? Uh, speaking of an onslaught of information and opinions, you may have had a similar experience to me in the last couple of days. I found that my Facebook newsfeed exploded in the last couple of days with post after post after post um, in the wake of the Supreme Court's ruling. And uh, so all this information and opinions come flying at us on the internet. This is an example of that. And I want to say that some of the posts I read, uh, I think, were helpful and gracious, helping Christians to come to grips with things and how to react and you know, maybe help shape our thinking. I think some of these posts were helpful and gracious. They were glorifying to God, and they were still respectful to other human beings. But I also think there were many posts that were unnecessary. They didn't even need to be posted. And if someone needed to post it, they were uh, ungracious, unloving, unhelpful, and not glorifying to Jesus. So there's plenty of that bombardment out there as well. And um, this, is, uh, this morning is not the time to delve into this topic in great detail, but, I, but, I, but I, as we are overwhelmed by those uh, information and opinions and we are trying to grapple with living as a Christian in our world, here's a couple of things I want to say this morning. Ready? Number one, uh, the world has not spun out of God's hands. He still holds the world in his hands. Everything that goes on around us, everything that happens is either ordained or allowed by our great, mighty, and sovereign God. The world has not spun out of his control. We often say around here that everything that happens has passed across his desk. Okay? We need to know that, don't we? As we try to figure out how to respond and what we should do moving forward, we need to know, number one, that God, the world has not spun out of his hands. And number two, For followers of Jesus, I want to remind us this. Our mission has not changed since Friday. As followers of Jesus, our mission is the same as it has been for 2,000 years. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he got with his closest followers in words that were spoken to them and are spoken to us today. The mission of God's people, the church, is to go and make disciples of all peoples. And so our mission hasn't changed since the Supreme Court ruling. Our mission remains the same, that God wants us to follow him. And as part of following him, we are to help other people know and find him and find life in him. And I think one of the best ways we do that is by obeying the great commandments. When Jesus was asked himself, what is the most important commandment? What do I need to know? Jesus' response was, number one, it's you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Paseo del Rey, love God. But Jesus didn't stop there, did he? The great commandment has a part two. He said, and you are to love your neighbor as yourself. And before we want to say, well, neighbor, that's people we're comfortable with and we like and are easy to love. No, 
The, good, the parable of the Good Samaritan reminds us that others, that our neighbor, includes those that are different than us. So, Paseo del Rey, we are to love God and love others. And so before we post, I think, on this or other volatile topics, I think we should consider whether we should be posting at all. And if we are going to post, I think we really, really, really need to consider if this is the best way to love other people to Jesus. Is what I'm about to post, is what I'm about to click like on even, is what I'm about to share helpful for the good news of Jesus reaching people? We love because God first loved us. The Supreme Court ruling doesn't change the fact that a lost, hurting, and desperate world needs to experience the great love of the Almighty God. And he wants to share that love through you. Through you and me. Play on the message. So our... (laughs) No, 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 no. We need, to, we need to be careful. We need to, we need to think before we speak and post. Uh, so in the midst of our digital device-heavy, internet-saturated worlds, we can hope that God is going to speak in spectacular fashion. We can wish that he's going to overpower our loud busyness with his spectacular communication to us. But what if he doesn't? Let's go back to our Bibles. 1 Kings 19, let's pick up the story. God has demonstrated himself in these spectacular ways of wind, earthquake, and fire, and it says the Lord was not in those things. And so then when we pick up halfway through verse 12, let's go back and pick up halfway through verse 12. It says, after the fire came, after the fire came a gentle whisper. After the fire came a gentle whisper. And verse 13 says that when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave ready to hear from God. And then a voice said to him, God said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And if we continued to read, we would see that God goes on to give um, Elijah a very specific direction of what's about to happen next. And so our lives are loud with crazy busyness. Our lives are loud with glowing screens in our faces. And we can hope that God would get our attention in spectacular fashion, but what if he doesn't? What if he wants to speak in a whisper? And you know what I love about the story about what we just read about Elijah? Elijah didn't miss it. God whispered, and Elijah responded immediately. But I worry, would I I miss the whisper? Because of this and this glowing screen and this information and this online connectedness and all these devices and all this stuff. But I missed the whisper. John 10. In John 10, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them. This is on the screens. I know them and they know me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they know me. And I think, I, I absolutely believe that as followers of Jesus, we will, we will know and be able to hear the voice of God but I absolutely also know that there are things in my crazy busyness that are competing loudly for attention. I don't know that Jesus is always shouting at me, and I wish he would, but I don't think Jesus has yet sent me a text with the answers to my questions. 
And then we see in John 14 that Jesus says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is awesome. If you're a follower of Jesus, God himself has come to dwell within you in the Holy, by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God lives within you. And look at that. Is there to bring to our mind, to teach us, and to bring to our mind all that Jesus has taught us. So the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you and wants to help lead you and change you and direct your life. And I don't want to miss the Spirit's voice. So... Let's create space. Let's, without throwing the technology out, without throwing our devices in the trash, not saying never get online again, but let's create space in our life, in our world, to hear God's whisper. So the, the first threat was addiction. The second threat was acedia. The, the third one we could sum up as the potential danger of our online connectedness is, is that we're never alone. That, 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 we, that we never have any space, any solitude, any, and, and that blocks our op- opportunity to hear from God. Addiction, acedia, and, and the potential danger of never being alone. Because you think about it, if you pull this out of your pocket, almost every one of us is carrying one, and this little tiny thing makes it possible for me to be busy all the time with anybody anywhere it's crazy it's crazy it's cool it's good it can be helpful but it's crazy these little devices make it possible for us to be busy all the time let me read if you if you will allow me let me read one more short burst from the book in hamlet's blackberry william powers likens our digital age to a gigantic room okay everybody imagine this ready He he compares our digital age to a gigantic room. In the room are more than a billion people. But despite despite its size, the room, everyone is in close proximity to everyone else. At any moment, someone may come up and tap you on the shoulder. A text, a hit, a comment, a tweet, a post, a message, a new thread. Some people come up and talk business. Others come up to complain, others to tell secrets, others to flirt, others to sell you things, others to give you information, others just to tell you what they're thinking or doing or eating for lunch. This, this goes on night and day, and Powers calls it a nonstop festival of human interaction. And you know what the thing is? Even as we hear that description, you know what the thing is, if we're honest? We enjoy that room. There's a lot of fun stuff happening in there. There's a lot of interaction. There's a lot of cool things. We enjoy the room immensely, it says, for a while. But eventually we grow tired of the constant noise. We struggle to find, um, whoops, I turned too far. We struggle to find a personal zone. Someone taps us while we're eating. Someone taps us while we're sleeping. Someone taps us while we're on a date. We even get tapped in the bathroom for crying out loud. So we decide to take a vacation, just a short one, but no one else seems to know where the exit from this room is. No one else seems interested in leaving. In fact, they all seem put off that you might not want to stay. And even when you find the exit and see the enchanting world through the opening, you aren't sure what life will be like on the other side. It's a leap of faith to jump out and see what happens. So addiction, acedia, here's this third danger again, is is that we're never alone. The third danger is, what if we 
don't really want to hear his voice? What if we prefer the endless noise and busyness of our online connectedness and digital addiction? What if we prefer that noise to the solitude of seeking after God? What if we allow our glowing electronic face to distract us from his whispering voice? I want my face to glow because I've been with God, not because I've been avoiding God. So what do we do now? If We've said that crazy busy is the water we swim in, so to speak. I don't have A, B, and C steps to help you have nothing to do. Our lives are crazy busy. There's lots of good things going on and things that we're involved in. If the, if, but if the reality of our connected world is like that room, and the potential taps and distractions are constant, then how do we navigate all this in a way that glorifies Jesus? What are we going to do then to survive, even thrive, I will say, in this crazy busyness? How are we going to remain productive, enjoy real relationships, and hear God's quiet whisper? I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to ask you another set of questions, and these are just some suggestions. These questions are for you to evaluate and to answer for yourself. They're not a a, a solve-all kind of deal, and this is not even close to all the potential solutions you could come up with. Um, these are some potential practical ways to fight this battle. Um, We need to fight this uh, spiritually. We need to ask God to help us unplug and to seek him and to listen to his voice, no question. But why not put into place some practical steps that would help us with our technology stuff too, right? So here's some questions. Where do you want your device to be as you get into bed and get ready to sleep? Where do you want your device to be when you first wake up in the morning? Really, that question is, what do you want to be the first thing you do and the last thing you do every day? Where do you want your device to be while you drive? I would prefer this thing to be in, hidden in my glove box. But I use it for GPS, so I haven't quite solved that one. But it's a distraction, and, and I need to solve that one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here's a fun one I've heard from, you know, elsewhere from other people. If you go out to eat with someone and enjoy a meal out or maybe even at, at, at home somewhere, what if you all grabbed your phones, put them in a pile face down, stacked up everybody's phones, put them in a face down in the center of the table, and then what if the first one to go for their phone had to pay the bill? <laughs> that wasn't my idea, but I mean, why not take some practical steps, Right? To enjoy that meal and to be with people? Um, Maybe that's something you need to look at or something similar. What about when you enjoy the outdoors? You're going to go for a a hike or you're going to go to the park or you're going to sit on your own back patio. Does the device need to go with you? Um, Is it possible for you to have a device and still be here with your church family and worshiping God? I love it. Some of you use it for your Bibles. So do I. That's great. But if you can't have it in your lap and not do some other stuff while you're in church, maybe, maybe you need to take a look. Um, <clears throat> last couple here. Um, 
when you, I, I feel like I hear about people unplugging, and you f- I feel like when people unplug, it's for a special occasion. Like this week, someone on my Facebook post, uh, I mean, newsfeed posted that she was going on her honeymoon, so she was going to take a break for Facebook. I'm like, <laughs> good. <laughs> Don't tell me about it. Um, but why, why is it just special occasions? You know, people say that, you know, for Lent, I'm going to give up technology, or I'm not going to go on the internet, or whatever. And sometimes these extended, <clears throat> excuse me, these extended breaks are good, but maybe what we need to consider is more frequent breaks. Is there an hour of every day that we could unplug? Is there a day of every week that we could unplug? And then here's the last one, and this is a community effort. <clears throat> we can help each other with our technology stuff by, in a couple ways. What if we don't expect an instant response? We've started texting, right? And when we started texting, we all started demanding an instant response, didn't we? If we don't hear back instantly on text, it's kind of irritating. What a slacker. I know they got it. <laughs> but when I do that, I'm imposing my schedule on yours, right? By expecting an instant response, by expecting a detailed email in response to my email, I'm putting upon you, interrupting your life, trying to dictate what you do. Let's help each other. You don't have to respond instantly. You can send a brief reply. It doesn't have to be detailed. I mean, things like that to to help each other uh, be less connected or less uh, dependent or urgent. So those are just some ideas. I know you've got your own. There's more ways that you could put some practical boundaries in place to help you with your use of technology and your time online. Uh, But the point is, why would we evaluate this stuff? Why would we possibly want to make changes? Not because tech is evil, not because the internet has no purpose, not because you can't ever use your device. I think we should consider making changes because in our crazy busy lives, there's no question that our technology complicates our crazy busyness. And I think that as we um, consider this area, we want to make sure that our devices and our constant connectedness don't cause us to miss to miss that quiet whisper of our God. So so throughout our series here, as we've gone these weeks of crazy busy, we're asking God every week, we're asking God to help us take five, to take a break, to unplug, to abide in Jesus, to get in God's word, to take five, whether that's literally for you five minutes a day or whether it can be 15 or 30 or an hour, awesome. The point is, is every week as we talk about our crazy busyness, we're encouraging you to take five. And what does that look like for you? You know, in in Luke 10, we've talked about the story of Martha and Mary. In Luke 10, Martha is distracted by busyness. And it causes her to miss out on friendship with Jesus at at the feet of Jesus like her sister Mary. And so... James 4.8 says, when we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. So what does it look like for us to take five? Friends, uh, this is the best thing we can do to survive, even thrive in a crazy, busy world, is unplug, take five, abide in Jesus, get in God's word, um, create space to hear from him. Let's do that now. If you would stand and let's create some space to hear from him. I'd like to pray and we're going to respond in worship and in giving you some quiet moments to connect with God as well. So before we give you some some moments to connect with him, uh, let me pray. 
Father God, you are our great creator, our awesome heavenly Father. And so God, we want to lift our eyes to you now and always. God, help our hearts to worship you, not other things. Father God, you are are great and mighty and you are loving and holy. And as we come to you, as as we grow in our awareness of you, our knowledge of you, as we enjoy your presence, we become all too aware of how we fall short. In you or apart from you, God, we fall short of your righteous standard, our, our sin, our rebellion against you, our outright rejection of you and your ways. Um, make it so that what we are deserving of is, is your wrath, that we are deserving of your wrath. We are deserving of, of, of punishment of our sin. And yet, God, you are so great and loving that we hear in your word that that you, Father, so loved us, that you so loved the world, that you gave your only Son. And so, God, we thank you for Jesus this morning. We thank you for the cross where he died so that we might live, where he died to pay the price for our sins. God, we thank you for Jesus and his work for us on the cross. And God, we We are so thankful that you have made a way for us to be forgiven and made right with you, that by your Son, that by those who trust in Jesus, you make possible new life, life eternal and life abundant now. We praise you. And God, as you um, are with us, for those who are in Christ, for those of us who have surrendered to Jesus our lives, God, we thank you for walking with us. We thank you that you are that we are in process, that you are changing us and molding us and shaping us. And as part of that, God, would you help us learn to take five? Would you call us to yourself as we draw near to you? We thank you that you will draw near to us. God, help us to seek you now in these next few minutes. Help us to create space to hear your quiet voice and help us to do this daily as well. In Jesus' name.